Hello, good listeners. Welcome to episode 31 of the Partial Historians. <laughs> I know, we didn't celebrate episode 30. Whoops. <laughs> we weren't counting, we weren't counting. Um, I am one of your hosts. I am Dr. Greenfield. Yum. That was the radness arriving. <laughs> oh, God. It begins. I'm revealing my nerdy nature, so I'll just <clears throat> correct that. Oh. This is Dr. Radford Ashwell, <laughs> And what are we discussing? Well, we left on quite an exciting point yet again. The death of yet another emperor and the ushering in. It wasn't a very exciting Of someone, death, well, you know, we tried. We tried to make nervous exciting as possible. Well, what can you do with an old man who vomits up every meal, I ask you? Sorry, history. <laughs> but we're, we're into a much more exciting time, I think. I feel excited. Mm. I feel virile, dare I say. Uh, oh. Because we're going to be discussing one Trajan today. Ah, yes. Ah. And I know you're a bit of a fan, girl, so just get it out of the way. <laughs> go on, go on. Well, <laughs> he just does so much right. <laughs> um, now, this is... I, I'm not just representing my own uh, biased views here. My no. my views are informed by the sources that we have available to us. History and has been kind History to has been very kind to Trajan. Yeah. Way kinder to Trajan than... Just about anybody since Augustus. And this is the whole thing about Trajan. He is... He's he like is, the new Augustus. Exactly, yeah. He is like the new Augustus, according to the sources. Yeah, not as good looking, And though. I said we didn't really talk about this last time because it's a bit confusing. The, the reigns are so interconnected with Nerva and Trajan. Nerva, mm. for all the problems he had to deal with, he seems to have benefited from this connection to Trajan. Because obviously, Nerva is Trajan's gateway to power. So it wouldn't mm. do really... Well, I, mean, I, suppose, I suppose you could denigrate Nerva if you really wanted to, but it would no, be risky. <laughs> no, as a, as, I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, what do you got? To, what do you get to gain, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't want to. You rule for sixteen months for God's sake. Yeah. an old man. Like leave him alone. Yeah, maybe put up a statue or two. Yeah, exactly. Like my father. Uh, <laughs> One Nerva. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that man. Wasn't he great? He chose me. Uh, let me rule you now. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. But Trajan is a really important emperor for a number of reasons. Mm. And one of the most significant reasons for his importance is he's the first emperor who is not an Italian. <gasps> what? A <laughs> foreigner in these regions? <laughs> I don't believe you. Anybody else like a Spanish man? Oh, I do like a Spanish man. <laughs> in that case, you're in for a treat. Uh, it explains that yeah. funny, funny foreign name. It does, and, <laughs> and possibly his strange accent. Yeah. Um, yes. The poor man. Um, in any case, this is like a landmark event in yes. the history of the Roman Empire. Mm. Uh, but it seems to have gone rather smoothly. I know. I mean... The Romans aren't exactly known for being open-minded in these sorts of matters. No. So it is good to see that yeah. they are... And it might just be a... Yeah, it might be a reflection on just how much the Senate really despised Domitian. Indeed. Um, yes. <laughs> because if Trajan does one thing right, it is get along with the Senate. Yeah. And I mean, I suppose... The big difference between, well, one of the big differences, <laughs> amongst many, I suppose, between mm. Nerva and Trajan, is that whereas Nerva seems to have been kind of a political animal, very involved in, I suppose, court life in mm. Rome, doesn't even actually, we can't even be certain that he ever actually really got 
<laughs> even left Rome. I mean, he probably went for a holiday there or here or there, but who the hell knows? <laughs> he seemed to be very much centred in Rome. Yes. Trajan, total opposite, really. Yeah, Trajan's a man of the world. He is. Yeah. <laughs> he's a wanderer. Oh, yes, he's a wanderer. <laughs> oh, no. No, no, we're not going there again. Please, anything but that. So the family's originally from Spain. Yeah. Yeah. But So the family is originally from Spain, and this yeah. is important because it means that they have to do the hard yards career-wise. If they want to go places, yes. they've got to work for it. Yeah. And that means going into the military. Kind of like women, you know. We have to work twice as hard for... <laughs> Speak for yourself, sweetheart. <laughs> I work just as hard as I need. <laughs> In any case, they the the Tra- Trajan's family ancestry is very much located in the military yes. and he follows his father his father becomes a governor and he goes out to Syria with his father and becomes a military tribune out there yeah and his father seems to have had quite a distinguished career himself hmm. um, it's kind of this is kind of I suppose the uh, the downside for historians with uh, the sources being so positive towards Trajan hmm. they're almost so positive that they want to attribute every achievement from anyone even around Trajan to Trajan, <laughs> including his father, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, we can piece together enough to know that his father must have been... I, I guess I, this is part of our problem as well, and we're having to piece together uh, the history of Trajan's family because they're relatively on the fringe of Oh, totally. Well, I mean, they, they might have risen to a, quite a distinguished, you know, level of achievement, but... They're still like no one was to expect the, them to rule one. Yeah, day. nobody was expecting yeah. them to take this grand leap into uh, the principate itself. No, um, so, so Trajan's no, youth is fairly yeah, undocumented, and, and nobody's yeah. really sort of put together a history. And largely, what we've had to do um, as historians is reconstruct Trajan's youth from documents that post-date his entry into the emperorship so yeah. so not exactly the most reliable of sorts i guess that's what yeah. i was saying in a really yeah. slow way yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah once again we're faced with this problem because our yeah. major one of our major sources is of course diocassius and the other one is our old friend from vesuvius Pliny. <laughs> well not not the old old Pliny. no no no, um, no, no, no. i'm but sorry but the young one that watched the other one go off yeah yeah the um, one that wrote the letter yeah yeah <laughs> you know, no, the letter the letter the letter <laughs> not the one who went to vesuvius and no. then died um but he's uh nephew yeah um Pliny, yes so we get what is a really fascinating document um uh, not fascinating to some people fascinating to others yes um, <laughs> Pliny's panegyricus mm. um panegyric is a a speech of praise. And boy, is it. Do you care to read us that excerpt? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me preface this by saying that this is the first time that we've got a speech like fully left to us in the historical record since Cicero. Um, it's a long time, people. So, yeah, yeah, we're talking about like the Republic. Um, <laughs> we're talking about the 40s BC. It's now 100 CE. Yeah. How times have changed. Indeed, yes. Um, and the opening is something like this. And so this is a speech that um, Pliny provides to the Senate um, to, in, in honour of his own sort of consulship, which he's awarded in 100. And part of what you do when you gain that consulship is give a speech of praise. And then this speech of praise was then, you know, polished up even further for publication mm. later on. Yes. yes, which is precisely what he does. Yes. And so he says in his opening, and what occasion could be more appropriate for doing so 
than the day when by the Senate's command we are called on to express thanks in the name of our country to the best of emperors. For what gift of the gods could be greater and more glorious than a prince whose purity and virtue make him their own equal? Jesus Christ. <laughs> There's a lot of troweling here, my yeah, friends. Yeah. A lot Jeez, of trowel. Nelson. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm scenting the whiff of the rear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nice job, where... <laughs> Nice job. <laughs> That's just the opening paragraph. Exactly. Uh, yeah, so although it's very useful and that it gives us information about Trajan and his life and his rule... It's Once also he- obviously heavily biased. I mean, by its very yeah. nature, this source is going to be biased. Yes, uh, it is unavoidably biased. Yes. And there's not a lot that we can do about that. No. And since our other source material is much more limited, yes. we tend to return to the Panegyricus to try and derive information about Trajan's career. And yes. then Trajan ends up looking like a really cool dude yeah. who does everything right. And then you fall <laughs> in love with him. And then you find statues of him. And then you kind of want to be his wife. Um, <laughs> this is what we do in our spare time. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've walked in <laughs> on Dr. Greenfield <laughs> scribbling Peter Trajan Caesar. <laughs> All over. Together, yeah. forever. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry, to return to the subject ahead. Yes, so what, yes, please. What is Trajan's career path exactly, as far as we can reconstruct it? Mm, good question. Yeah, so basically he ends up, um, basically, I guess under his father's wing, you could say it first. He does, yeah. he does. Um, he's serving um, with Vespasian and Titus yes. in Judea. Ah, uh, remember those days. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, and so he he basically starts to work his way up, as you say, through them sort of military And ranks. surprise to surprise, Trajan's posted to Spain. <laughs> Coincidence? How convenient. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of uh, round about the region that he's hanging out in 89 when we get the revolt yes, under Domitian. exactly. And he takes that rather admirable step mm. of assisting of staying loyal basically and assisting Domitian in his and time running over his troops into Germany yeah and I mean it was it turned out to be an exceptionally wise move because he didn't actually need to do anything really mm. in the end anyway <laughs> but he is rewarded with a consulship ah 91 yeah, but this is interesting and so oh, I'm, I'm kind of going back to this again mm. the numbers Nerva <laughs> gets the first consulship then Trajan hmm? maybe the families mm. are buddies the whole time yeah, it's interesting <laughs> yeah but I mean ostensibly um, it's interesting that Nerva gets the one in 90 but because the reasons are not that clear exactly at least not, like Trajan's not, the one that takes the freaking present, army to yeah, yeah yeah but Trajan has clearly shown support to Domitian sure. and is rewarded for yes. that good. Um, so good yeah yeah <laughs> that consulship makes a lot of sense the yeah. Nerva one not so much yeah um, at least on the surface and I mean we, we talked before about how um Domitian and uh, and Vespasian and Titus before before him as well. They tended to really have the monopoly on consulships, so it's always mm. it's always quite a big deal when yeah. you get someone. And Trajan does. Uh, Trajan has the fortune, perhaps, and this is true for a few people of this period. Mm. Um, although I think more people would have liked to join this benefit is that he was absent from Rome between the years yes. of ninety three and ninety six when things under Domitian got really really bad. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so he has. Uh, the pleasant fortune of being untainted by the association with Domitian during Precisely, that yeah. reign of terror. Whereas Nerva, you have to think, was obviously involved in the court politics, Nerva, whatever they were. Nerva is there. Yeah, exactly. Nerva is totally there. So how can he really have come out entirely, you know, 
can't come out smelling entirely clean. <laughs> Whereas Trajan, as you say, he's well away from it. And even during Nerva's rule, he's well away from it. Yeah. He's yeah. adopted while he's not there. Yeah, and <laughs> he does some really interesting things. And so um, when Nerva faces this difficulty with the Praetorians, yes. um, the Praetorian prefect... Uh, Casperius Aelianus is particularly involved in yes. this sort of dragging out the murderers who are involved in the conspiracy, yeah, public he seems executions. To be the head. Yeah. He seems yeah. to be the figurehead for that. Yeah. Um, that key moment that undermines everything but, that, uh, but even once that the, is nervous yeah, power. Once the dust settles, he's mm. left conspicuously alive for a little while. Well, he is, because yes. what's Nervous supposed to do about that? I mean, this guy's well, completely undermined his power. Yeah. And, and then Nervous dies. Yeah. Um, and Aelianus is still... The there. Praetorian Prefect. Yeah. Trajan summons Aelianus to him before he enters the city. Mm. And in what might be a shock horror moment for Aelianus, but perhaps <laughs> for nobody else. Um, I, I don't know what Aelianus was expecting, but rather than the hug and the kiss on the cheek and the thank you for all of your good deeds on my behalf, Trajan kills the man. Mm. Well, see, I've, again, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I have heard <laughs> that maybe he was expecting a reward. Because yes. maybe, maybe, maybe he had he been acting been to do it. Exactly. Yeah. By maybe. some, like, by Trajan. Yeah. No. I don't <laughs> Never. think so. Never. I don't, I don't think so. But, yeah, so these are, these are the competing narratives that we get for Trajan. One, Trajan is heavily involved in undermining... Um, yeah, the con- Well, perhaps not necessarily trying to, with that as the aim necessarily, but... Definitely trying to get rid of position the conspirators yeah. and to position himself as somebody mm. to step in to like take over. Yes. Um, now, the other narrative is that he's got to clean up the people who are going to undermine potentially his own claim to power. If he's yes. been adopted by Nerva and this is the guy that's ruined Nerva, then this is the guy potentially who could ruin him. Yes. What better way to take control back of the Praetorian than to cut off the head of the snake itself? Yes. It's so, a good move. Like, I mean, regardless of whether, what his motives were... You can't were, discount the power of the Praetorians at this no. point in time. They've had so much influence since sort of like uh, going back to like Claudius and Caligula and that sort of stuff. So exactly. So you can't ignore them. They've yeah. got to be dealt and with. And regardless of Trajan's involvement, it's a smart move. Yeah. You know, you're either tying, <laughs> whether you're tying up loose ends or whatever. Covering your own tracks. Exactly, yeah. It doesn't matter really how it works out. It's probably a wise move mm. um, if perhaps somewhat ruthless depending on what light you're looking at <laughs> but you know an emperor needs to be ruthless especially since you know with the troubles that Nerva had because let's face it it wasn't just the Praetorians that Nerva had troubles with mm. there were also issues with disaffected parties in the political yes. thing yes. and Trajan is going to face these problems as well I mean every mm. emperor will eventually you know mm. um, so Trajan needs to come out making a strong you know he needs to establish yeah, a strong yeah. from the start and he certainly does because within what a mere sort of three years, uh, we get this Panegyricus. Indeed, yes. and and it's this is, off the mark. Yes, and another another issue with this Panegyricus from a historian's perspective is because it's so out of context. In the sense that this is the first speech that we've had in such a long time to sure. even have a look at. Yeah. we don't know how representative it is of standard traditional forms at this point in time. This is true because... Or how much it might stand out and be different. The reason why it survived at all is because it was favoured stylistically Mm. in rhetorical manuals. But whether that's because it's such a better example than any of the others that came before it... Yeah, and why is it better? Why is it better? How? Because this is the thing. I mean, if we're jumping all the way from the Republic to 
you know, essentially sort of mid-Empire, I suppose. Hmm. Um, you know, it's a totally different political beast. You know, yeah, you, yeah. You, you're dealing with a, a Senate <laughs> that really by this stage are well and truly aware that they kind of take their cues from, from one the man. Emperor. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Completely and they might not, different. They might not be happy about it. Uh, no, no. But, and, but they're and, aware of it. <laughs> isn't it interesting that in that little passage that you read out, mm. what Pliny brings up is that idea that he is, you know, amongst equals, you know, that... Yeah, and, yeah. This, and this seems to be uh, something that plays throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Is that, that Pliny is very keen to establish Trajan as a man, not a god, and yet still allow it to be possible for Trajan to be praised as if he were a god. Yeah, because, I mean, Trajan obviously um, is going to be careful not to make the same mistakes that Domitian did. Right? I don't know. Emperors have tried that before and <laughs> yeah. they've still fallen into the same oh, yeah, error. No, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah, but Trajan's not, example, not, for example, going to go around saying, you know, you should address me as master and lord and all this other mm. kind of, you know, mumbo-jumbo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this is where, yeah, so Pliny has some interesting things to say on this. And mm. this is... This is still in sort of the opening sections of the Panegyricus. Yeah. Nowhere should we flatter him as a divinity and a god. Mm. We are talking of a fellow citizen, not a tyrant. One who is our father, not our overlord. He is one of us. And his special virtue lies in his thinking so. As also in his never forgetting that he is a man himself while a ruler of men. And this is the whole thing. It's, It's almost like Pliny is saying, look, he's so great. He's worthy of, you know, being... You know, of, of sort of you know this sort of almost divine status, but at the same time, <laughs> the thing that makes him so worthy is the fact that he doesn't he doesn't see it that way. He doesn't want yeah. it that way. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's, yeah. It's, so it's, yeah. it's like it's taken the Romans a long time, but they seem to have finally found a leader that they respect. Good lord, <laughs> <laughs> I can finally hear a sigh of relief, Doctor G. <sighs> <laughs> we found one, just what we were looking for. And Trajan, I mean, he, as you say, he's very clever in the way that he does, obviously deal with the Senate. Mm. Um, he's very careful not to get them offside, you know, when possible. <laughs> um, but at the same time, he doesn't leave behind his military No, roots. no. He spends actually, a, I'd say about half of his reign, really, out of Rome. Well, this is the other thing that Trajan is exceptionally famous for. Is yeah. He is the emperor who expands it to its largest extent. And by it, she means the empire. <laughs> Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get any funny ideas, listeners. We're not talking about Trajan's <laughs> column. <laughs> not yet or not. Nah. Save that for later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's known one as an expansionist emperor. Yes. Um, so and, and and so okay, on one hand you might have, you know, people who sort of evaluate his reign later saying, Hmm, is that wise? Because let's face it, the Empire's kind of already unwieldy as it is <laughs> Augustus you know way back in the day had said I think he likes being in the field yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> Augustus had warned people maybe not expanding you know that might be the mm. way to go mm. um, but on the other hand the Romans love the glory you know yeah. it's, it's all part of who they are yeah and um, and Trajan is an established military man yes and this is one of the the easy ways to maintain power and also not to piss off the senate that much because you're just not there yeah exactly and you're also keeping the army happy because mm-hmm. they're busy they're occupied mm-hmm. um and, and Trajan seems to have also sort of tried to um foster a personal relationship with his troops yeah um yeah. make 
quite beloved amongst Indeed. the troops. Yes. yes, has that personal touch, you know, knows them by name, <laughs> remembers where they've been <laughs> on campaign. Oh, the personal touch on a military campaign. I don't <laughs> even want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially since. If I may be so bold. Oh, please. Uh, Trajan's also known for a bit of the man love. Oh. Yeah. That does explain the sculptures. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but he does have quite, like, diverse campaign areas. Like, he goes into the Danube, so the German regions, which yeah, is, which is where know, he's been totally, for a while. Totally yeah. understandable. Yep. Dacia. Yeah. Mm. And this is his, I suppose, The unconquered. Yeah. And this is his, I suppose... I don't know what you say. It's like the most lasting of his accomplishments in a way. Mm, uh, yeah. it, most enduring, the, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. The, one, the ones that he expands into that doesn't quite retract so much. Yeah, exactly. Um, he's <laughs> like a rubber band. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he annexes Arabia, um, nice. as, as you do, yeah, in 107. Do. And he also goes into Parthia, and that's, that's sort of where he might have pushed things a little bit too far. Yeah, and that's where it seems to be... I mean in some of the other campaigns like with Dacia and everything there's kind of an excuse for it in yeah that, you know the guy but Parthia is like the, the golden egg the one that everyone's tried to conquer exactly. and not been able to hold on to and Trajan's like well I'm gonna do it <laughs> I reckon I reckon I'm the man for that job exactly. and I'm the emperor so none of you are gonna be able to stop me going on this campaign I'm Alexander the Great woo <laughs> <laughs> no sorry no you're not <laughs> it's disappointing I need Alexander <laughs> it's made me the campaign that kills you yeah exactly. um, but in any case like so like part of the fruits of this sort of expansionist policy is yeah. that he does get to maintain a really good rapport with the senate because he's not standing over them all the time trying to yes. make them do things and they like this yeah there's lots <laughs> of building projects because there's lots of money coming in so there's lots of money going out yeah and for anyone who's ever been to Rome I suppose that's where they would have probably heard his name before you yeah. know you, if you go to the forum his marks are all over it mm. <laughs> you've got Trajan's Forum mm-hmm. very famous mm-hmm. and also Trajan's Column also very famous yes and the Basilica Upia indeed mm. yeah um, so yeah, he he's buildings, and, and, and obviously also in the kind of boring stuff, in that you know roads and all that kind of stuff, roads. all that kind of practical stuff, <laughs> Roman yeah. stuff, you, you know, know. Yeah. <laughs> practical straight lines, whatever. Um, <laughs> the other really thing, interesting thing about Trajan's rule is the role that women play. Indeed, because he is. I, I did mention his uh, his man love. <laughs> Oh yes, yes. yes. But, he, but he I want to talk about the women. He is married. No, I'm, I'm he is married. Yes. Um, to a woman named Plotina. Mm-hmm. Sounds sinister. <laughs> yeah, I oh, check out her hairstyles. Yes. I mean, if you want to be scared, go for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he also, um, at the time that he becomes emperor, he also has a little retinue actually of women folk. He does because he is uh, by this stage. He takes his sister and yeah. his niece and brings them into the fold, yeah. and and they're all sort of given um, not massive amounts of sort of like public exposure but a certain amount of status and they're accorded a certain level of respect and that seems to come from Trajan and he tries there's this sense in which it seems that publicly he's trying to build up this sense of this is a Roman family yes and and I'm the head of this particular Roman family and by extension this family reflects the families of Rome itself yes and that that's where I think it's interesting because I think again a lot of the virtues of people connected to Trajan hmm. reflect well on Trajan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I think it's quite a controlled image that, hmm. you know, what, we, what we're left with. And so he's, particularly if we look at, say, the examples of his sister and his wife, who are probably hmm. the mo- two most prominent women in hmm. his reign, um, it's really, they're focusing on the, the, the values that most Roman men would like to see in women. Yes. You know, so they're modest, hmm. they know their place, 
So, for example... <laughs> they're the very opposite of those Julia Claudian women. Well, yeah, and also, because, I mean, Demisha... As you as you said, mm. we kind of like Demisha because she's kind of cheeky, she's kind of naughty, yeah, she breaks yeah. the rules. She might even have been in... I mean, she was rumoured to have been involved in his death. But she's not the sort of woman that Romans like. Exactly. And so what Trajan seems to be saying is, I am in control. You know, <laughs> I have this down. My yeah. women are... And, you know, even I have a very at, loyal wife. Yeah, and even when Pliny talks about the women... sister is great. Yeah, when he talks mm-hmm. about the relationship that Trajan has with the women, like particularly, for example, his wife, you know, he says that their marriage has that... That cornerstone, you know, all good marriages mm. in that it is, you know, the, the sort of concordia. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, they're not out of control women. You know, <laughs> they're, they're what you want, they're what you want women to be. And kind of like we were saying with Trajan before, and they, they turned down the title of Augusta, mm. which just makes them all the more worthy <laughs> of it, you know. Um, so, oh, yeah. Oh, they're playing the game yeah, very well. Yeah, kind of, it's kind of going old school. Yeah, and yeah. it's interesting because, like, so Trajan doesn't necessarily need these women to make his reign work in no. the same way that the Julia Claudian emperors started to need their women yes. to make their reigns work. Well, no, yeah, he's, uh, <laughs> he's the first guy. Yeah, he's the first guy. So he's yeah. got this luxury of being, again, a little bit like Augustus in this respect, is that he has women around him who can represent quintessential Roman virtues, virtues yeah. uh, and not be obligated to do anything more than that. Yeah. And so it's possible for him then to elevate his sister to divine status once she dies. Yes. Um, because it's a reward for how well she's performed as his sister. Yes. And it reflects well upon him. Yeah, and I, mean, I think when you look at... I think I read somewhere that when you look at um, the representations uh, throughout the empire, it's very rare to find the women represented without Trajan. Like mm. there are a few examples, yeah, but yeah. it's much less. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's definitely all about the the yeah. family. It's all about them. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, on that note. Ooh. Are ooh, you going ooh. where I think you're going? Uh, I'm going straight for the end. Oh, that's what I thought that's what I thought yeah, was going to be. Yeah, yeah. So basically, um Trajan has <clears throat> as you say all these uh, all these military campaigns. Um but what he doesn't have is an heir. <laughs> oh, man. I know, again. Oh, man. <laughs> um, so without an heir, what is Trajan going to do? Because he rules for quite a significant amount of time in the end. Mm. He, he ends up falling ill, it seems, um, mm. in 117 AD, uh, which is almost 20 years, really. Yeah. I, mean, so... you could, I think you could call it 20 years because he's around, essentially, you know. Well, for that yeah, 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 makes yeah. sense, makes sense. So it's 20 years is quite a long amount of time. Mm. Um, but yet, he hasn't managed to pop one of those crucial male babies. Platona, <laughs> <laughs> for all of her... Too, many ta- uh, too much time with boys on the couch, right? Well, for all of his wife's modesty and good virtues, yeah. things haven't quite worked out in, in <laughs> other areas, which is a real shame. Too bad, so sad. Yeah. But luckily, luckily... Luckily, luckily. Like with Augustus himself, mm. um, Trajan can turn to his women folk to connect him to Yeah, others. and this is the path that he goes down in the end, isn't yes, it? And it this is, is the, the issue with his niece. Indeed, yeah. So this is um, one of the daughters of his sister, mm-hmm. who had been li- who was living with him at the beginning of his reign, mm. um, and she is married to a young man, young chap, <laughs> a, long, a young chap, yes, by the name of Hadrian, <gasps> rumored to be one of Trajan's lovers. I might say <laughs> <laughs> uh, the circles. I They're know. so close, I aren't they? Well, just like, I mean, I mean, wasn't, weren't Nerva and Domitian meant to have hooked up? In fact, Nerva and Trajan went to have hooked up as well. We listened oh, to all the sources. Everyone oh. was hooking up with everyone. I think our sources just like the dirty stories. I know. <laughs> Lucky for us. 
Um, we yeah. had a new idea. <laughs> yeah, so we've got this marriage between Trajan's niece and and Hadrian. Yes. and this is going to be because he's associated with the family. It makes mm. it it makes sense then to go into that adoptive process. Yes, absolutely. Um, but and this is where I suppose can we leave our listeners on a bit of a, a ooh, on, ooh. on tender hooks? Oh more? yes, this is the whole question. I suppose <gasps> mm. Trajan dies, right? What? But, yeah, I know. Yeah. What? What? I mean, he even seems to think that maybe he's been poisoned. But yeah. I think even the, the sources even admit that, yeah, no, it was probably just, you know, the excessive drinking. Wink, <laughs> wink. <laughs> and the fact that you're like an old man by now. You're in your oh, 60s. ouch. Yeah, well, he is. You know. mm. He came mm. to power in his 40s. He's now in his 60s. Yes, yes. Um, but there seems to have been a little bit of a question mark about was Hadrian adopted? Wasn't he adopted? Ooh. <laughs> and on that mysterious note, we should leave you. Adieu. Good listeners. <laughs>